second ball was a strike. I mean, yeah. Kid was killed with a bowling ball. Most likely the same person who killed Jimbo. This was a powerful throw. First a samurai sword, now bowling ball. And we're talking the same person? Find the killer, Sparky. I don't think he's finished. Hello and welcome to another episode of That's So Random, A Random Movie podcast. I am Heath Lambert. This episode's movie from 2002, Wishcraft, not Witchcraft, that's the series of uh, straight-to-video softcore porn that was very popular in the 90s, not that, Wishcraft, <laughs> trust me, <laughs> my guests are making a face. It's a thing, trust me. It's all of you, you. You can watch the whole series on Tubi. Go check it out. Oh, there's like there's like 15 of them. Yeah, but th this isn't that. This is Wishcraft. Slightly better than <laughs> Wishcraft, probably. And my guests, Lindsay and Nick, Ani, have returned. Hi. Hi. Hello. You were last yeah. here for Invasion USA. Toss up, right? Which is, I mean. Versus best. Between Wishcraft, so Wishcraft versus Invasion USA, you're going Invasion USA? Oh, all the way. As the better movie? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, every time. probably. This this is a very divisive movie on IMDb and reviews. Oh, Wishcraft is. Some people, some people hate it, so you'll give it 10 stars. Love it. Wow. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Well, it was straight to video in uh, our country. It did apparently get some sort of theatrical release in France because it made three hundred and some thousand dollars. So what? But yes. its budget was like five million. Yeah, I think it was what? intended for a theatrical release everywhere, and that just didn't happen because oh. it, it looks like an episode of Smallville. So why would you put that on the big screen? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Smallville episodes are better than that. Just, but just, yeah, just the way it's filmed, the fashion, like it just very watching, and I was like, this looks a lot like <laughs> Smallville or Charmed or one of those shows from around that time. It doesn't look like yes, a movie. Yeah, I had no idea it was made in two thousand two. Just by looking at it, it could have been because it any year before that, but ninety eight. Anything? Yeah, just I was, was going to say ninety eight. It could have been a ninety eight. Mm -hmm. It's directed by a fellow named Richard Wank who really didn't direct anything else of note, but has gone on to be a fairly successful screenwriter. He wrote both of those Denzel Washington Equalizer movies. He wrote yeah. The Expendables 2, that Magnificent Seven remake, that second Jack Reacher movie, and the upcoming, supposedly, Craven the Hunter movie, which you can keep it. I mean, Sony, stop wasting perfectly good Spider-Man villains challenge. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> did he write this movie too no it was written by a different guy who only wrote this <laughs> but no it was directed by a guy who just rightfully so gave up directing and went and became a writer yeah that's, that's kind of all the <laughs> preamble notes i have and get right into it is it a plot heavy movie kind of i don't know we got a fellow named brett who's played by michael weston who we, we were just discussing earlier today. I only really knew him from Garden State. He's like 
the best body character in Garden State. But he was also in, he had a bit of a run on Scrubs. He was on House MD quite a bit. You were saying you know him from Psych, which I've never, I, mean, I haven't seen Psych, so I didn't know that one. But... Oh, yeah, he, that was a really good show. Yeah, he was on an episode or two of Psych. Um, but yeah, his run on House MD, Nick was saying that. Um... There's supposed to be a spinoff for his character as a private detective from House. Huh. Never quite worked out, but he plays Brett, the 29-year-old college student. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, I guess I didn't look up how old he actually was at the time, but that wouldn't probably be too far off. He's definitely not 18, that's for goddamn nope. sure. Nope. Which is, I mean, that's pretty standard. Usually you're watching, it's pretty rare. Well, I think more, nowadays more so, but, you know, prior right. to the last decade you weren't seeing actual high school students playing high school students rarely uh he's super into this cheerleader girl samantha who is played by alexandra holden who she's been a bunch of stuff too but the only thing i know her from was she was on friends she was the student that ross dated ross dated one of his students and she was so she had five or six episodes on friends to my recollection i haven't seen friends in a long long time but that's what the IMDb tells me, so I believe it. And he's got a best friend, Howie, who is perhaps the most annoying character ever put to film. <laughs> they put so much work on Howie's personality in the script, but none of the other characters seem to get much else. His garbage they- personality. <laughs> he's just one of those guys who thinks he's much funnier than he is <laughs> and is constantly trying to prove it to you. Well, his character, like... I was trying to figure him out because he's, you know, kind of a loner, kind of not, but he's kind of like Breckenmeyer and Clueless, but not really. So he's like this really random, yeah, black licorice loving guy. Yeah. Ugh, which, yeah, first off, ick. Ew. Black okay. licorice is disgusting. No, but most people don't. But he's played by A.J. Buckley, who nowadays, like in this, he's like a schlubby, you know, but he's now, he's like a ripped lumberjack beard buff dude. He's oh, on yeah. that Navy SEAL show with David Boreanaz. Hmm. So I'm going to not say anything else about him. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. He was also on Supernatural. He was the good dinosaur. Yeah, weirdly, he was in The Good Dinosaur as a voice. But yeah, he's like uh, unrecognizable now from how he is in this movie. Yeah, so. Good for him. Yeah, uh, definitely good for him. Not oh, not someone sure. I would mess with anymore. <laughs> so I'm you, done talking about well, AJ Buckley. <laughs> his wish did come to your right. <laughs> he got a hold of that box in, in real life. So Brett tutors Sam, and he's very clearly puppy dog eyes, you know, infatuated mm-hmm. with her. And they're having a conversation. She's trying to, she's sort of asked, like, you know, I need to get to know you more. So she's trying to ask him questions, which he mistakes as, like, oh, maybe she's actually interested in me. She's actually, like, asking me, like, what's my favorite movies and what's my favorite foods and things. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he says he likes is girls, which is a misstep, sir. <laughs> yeah. But he's like, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, I like girls. I'm not, like, crazy, but I like, you know, I like girls. Right. And the conversation ends with her saying, see, I told Cody you weren't gay. And she leaves. Cody is her football player boyfriend. So that's the only reason she was asking. So that's a little disheartening for our boy Brett. Like, they're friendly. They get along. She does, she's not like a mean girl. 
No. You know, she's not treating him poorly, but no. she's not interested in him romantically. No, and I think the setup of the relationship is good. Mm-hmm. Like, that was... Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be the guy that he's... Because he's not, like... He comes across as... He's not, like, a super nerd, you know, but he's... Quiet. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely not one of the, you know, super popular kids either. He's probably kind of the middle of the road, but not somebody she's ever going to look twice at in that way. So... He's the guy who's always going to be pining away. Oh, Sam and Cody are, like, making out in class. <laughs> Samantha, I should say, mm-hmm. to avoid any confusion. And their teacher, Mr. Turner, has to come and kind of break it up. You wouldn't imagine this Mr. Turner is going to be a very important character in this movie, but boy, he sure is. <laughs> yeah. This is a really intense high school history class, too. Like they are going into... Ribbentrop Pact, and they're going into the the end of World War II. It's I remember, yeah, pretty easy breezy in high school for me. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know. Not to sound like an old fogey, but I don't know what they're teaching kids in history class nowadays. But I feel like a lot of kids nowadays don't know history very well, so I don't know what they're learning now. But it's certainly not this stuff that he's teaching. No, absolutely not. Yeah, and Brett and Howie are pounding around the school, and Howie's just he's just constantly annoying. He's just flapping his gums all the time, saying dumb shit. He's annoying. That's him. Brett gets a box in the mail from an unknown, you know, no return address or whatever. Opens it up. It's this wooden box that's, like, decorated with these, you know, it's like an antique kind of metal hinges on it. And inside is some kind of gross, fleshy-looking something wrapped in leather. He doesn't know what it is. He just thinks it's gross. And has a note in it that says it'll grant him three wishes, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, mm-hmm, sure. Throws it in the garbage. What a weird thing to get in the mail. Right. But then he thinks about it <laughs> and, you know, decides, what the heck? Why not? Give it a shot. It's not going to hurt anything. I can always throw it back in the garbage. So he kind of half-assed mm-hmm. wishes. He says, I wish Samantha would go to the spring blast with me. That's his, that's his first wish. And sure enough, the next day at school, Samantha walks up to him, asks him to see if he'll go to the spring glass with her. And he's surprised and he says yes. She then goes and tells Cody, her boyfriend, hey, by the way, I'm taking Brett, what's his face, <laughs> to the spring glass. And he's like, the fuck do you mean? Bumpers. <laughs> like, Brett Bumpers. Brett Bumpers is his name, yes. And his parents in the credits are Dad Bumpers and Mom Bumpers, which is kind of funny. <laughs> but I mean they're not they're not characters that matter in any way shape or form so yeah and Cody's like that's a joke right like what do, you, what do you even mean that you're taking that nerd to the dance why would you do that and she says I don't know I really don't know so this is this movie for 2002 this movie is attempting kind of to raise issues about consent and things like that which is interesting mm-hmm. Uh, it winds up kind of not meaning anything at all in the end, which is infor- unfortunate, <laughs> since they just wind up together anyway. Right. She, yeah. she comes around to him despite, you know, so he gets no comeuppance whatsoever for taking away this girl's right to choose who she dates. Yeah. So that's not great. But for 2002 to even, you know, talk about it is something, I guess. And it seems like the only person who has, like, any voice in that conversation is Howie. Because Brett is like, 
no, no, it's fine. We had a relationship beforehand and it just enhanced whatever we had and how he's like, but no, dude, nope, that's creepy or whatever. So. Here's the thing, though. You're right. That is a conversation that Howie has. Howie's kind of like, you shouldn't do that. She, she didn't. She's not choosing you. Like you're taking your choice away. But he ruins any goodwill Howie got from that by saying, "You should use your second." Like he basically says, "You should use your second wish." Like do what you're gonna do with her. Use your second wish to send her my way, because I need to get laid too. My way. Yep. Which. Yeah. So you learn nothing. You don't believe what you just said. You don't want him to take her yeah, choice no, away, but you're no. fine with doing it for yourself. So how he's still a piece of shit. Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> but remember, his idols are Tommy and Steven Seagal. So. And yeah. <laughs> so Howie and Brett, t- like, okay, what is this thing? It worked. That's crazy. They take it to this curio shop, show it to the guy there. He tells them it's a bull pizzle. <laughs> so it's like a mm-hmm. bull penis. And they're like, ew, what? Mm-hmm. That's even grosser than we thought. Why would someone do that? But that's like, you know, as far as magic is concerned, it's a powerful kind of totem or whatever. The guy tries to buy it off him for 30, not knowing that it actually works or anything, just like, well, oh, this is a really old one. It's the oldest one I've seen. I'll give you like 30 bucks for it. <laughs> they're like, no thanks. He raises the offer. They say no. Yeah. Well, they got two wishes left. I mean, I could see if they tried to sell it before they knew if it worked or not. Maybe thirty bucks would sound good. But now that you know that it actually yeah. works, maybe that's not going to work. So Brett and Samantha go to the spring blast dance. She's there. She's having fun. She's not paying him much mind. Like she, the wish is being fulfilled. She is going with him to the spring blast, but she's not really dancing with him per se. She's kind of dancing by her in his proximity. <laughs> you know. It's not quite the hot date he was expecting, maybe. And when he drops no. her off at the end of the night, well, when he picks her up, her parents are like, my parents are really wondering why I'm going with you. They really like Cody. <laughs> they don't understand this. Did you this. see Cody's collar? Like, how big it was? Collar. Collar over the suit. It was like a big, like, John Travolta 70s. <laughs> it and it was really, like, a good... A good collar it was very strong on his very strong shoulders. Mm-hmm. So if I were her parents, that would make sense to me. And it also makes it, that makes it harder to pin down. Yeah, is this nineteen ninety eight or two thousand two? Because like, what year? What year is this that he's wearing this crazy collar? So everyone's wearing monochrome shirts and khakis and blue jeans. The show. There's no graphic tees. There's nothing. You know, it's two thousand two <laughs> because at the end she's wearing that strappy pink dress with the tattoo necklace. It's true. It's true. And the opening credits where it has the somebody's using a type a vintage typewriter to type something, which I suppose is the note that came with the box i never really thought about it because it doesn't really come up again but yes, there's kind yes, of a new so. metal kind of quietly in the background a real 2002 new metal song yes. happening so yes was it nine inch nails did i say it was nine inch nails and then did it come up i don't think it was nine inch nails it was very nine there's inch no nails way i don't they think they could get anyone they they, budget. Oh, and you think trent Reznor wouldn't say a five million and one? Oh yeah that's true <laughs> whatever yeah, he only he only gives music to David Lynch. He's not fucking around with this <laughs> straight to video <laughs> shit. They can't afford Trent Reznor. Yeah, now well, yeah, nowadays he's a Dave Fincher guy, but back then. So speaking of opening credits, honestly, I thought that the guy doing the typey thing because I've seen so many '80s meatloaf videos, <laughs> I thought that would be meatloaf because. 
they just say Michael a day. They don't even say that it's meatloaf, right. but I knew his real name, but I, I'm, I was really excited about him being the guy with the typewriter because oh, I love him so much. And then, well, we'll continue, but I was really, he didn't even want to say he was meatloaf in the credits. No, he didn't. <laughs> now there was a period there where he was like, no, I'm done with music. I'm going to be a serious actor now. And he wasn't going by meatloaf anymore. And then eventually he was like, ah, oh, fuck it. <laughs> if Wishcraft is the best I can do, you know? Yeah. Fight Club well, he, Fight Club was a couple years yeah, ago and I haven't gotten anything like it since. So, Right. Yeah. I'll just go back to meatloaf. Brett brings Sam home at the end of the night. And she's like, okay, yeah, that was fun, I guess. But let's just go back to our normal relationship that we had before where you tutor me and we get along fine. But that's it. You know, we're friends. Sort of. So that's the end of that. That wish is complete. She still doesn't know why. It's a still a mystery to everyone why she asked him. But and then also leaving the Spring Blast dance is Christy and her boyfriend Jimbo. Now, Christy is played by Alexandra Breckenridge. From, she was an American Horror Story. She was the maid that lost her eye. I guess she's on This Is Us now. She's on This Is Us now. She's big on that, which is a show I've never seen also so i did not know that but i know her from american horror story i don't know i can look i just know she's she's been in a bunch of episodes of this is us like now i gotta look it up i'm looking up right now i didn't even know she had a name in the movie i just knew jimbo there's so many people who i can't believe have names <laughs> right yeah, she's on 35... Sophie Larson. 35 episodes of This Is Us. Oh, she's Sophie. She's um, the actor's fiancé slash girlfriend slash wife person. His first wife. She's on 35 episodes? Yeah. A lot of people in the show did something. And now she's done three or four seasons of some show on net some Netflix show called Virgin River. Mm-hmm. Netflix has shows that just don't exist, right? <laughs> like I've never heard of this thing. There's a show on Netflix okay. called Virgin River that has run for 46 episodes. Okay. But she's like the female lead on that show. So she's, yeah, she's doing all right from coming from Wish, Wishcraft. <laughs> but her and Jimbo, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who got their hands on this wish box is this fucking Jimbo guy. This schlubby loser is with this gorgeous girl and they're making out they're gonna have sex in the golf course after hours this guy's using wishes man yeah that's the only way he got this girl but the sprinklers go off she's all pissed off because it's ruining the dress her expensive dress so they leave before anything can really happen they get to the car and he goes oh i forgot my pants excuse me (laughs) there's a lot of things you can forget your keys, your hat. But like, how do you forget your pants? Your pants, sir? <sighs> okay, whatever. <laughs> like that, that feels like the first, first thing you put back on, right? <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. So he goes back to retrieve his pants. He's hearing someone running around in the dark. He starts yelling, you know, don't mess with me. I'm, I know stuff, kung fu or whatever. This loser. Just, he's just this chubby, like, I don't know. But he gets murdered real good. He gets stabbed through the Mm -hmm. arm, stabbed a bunch of times. And when she comes looking for him, his decapitated head is on the, whatever the flag that sticks out of the, the hole, whatever you call that, 
on the golf course. So there's there's a slasher afoot. There's a murderer afoot. Is this you would expect? This must be connected in some way to this magical wish box, right? Like maybe there's a curse on a box. Someone's mm-hmm. using the wishes. It's released some sort of demon or some sort of jinn or something. No. Something. Nope, it's a separate movie happening at the same time. (laughs) There's a serial killer movie happening and a wish box movie happening, and they will eventually meet each other, but for most of the movie, completely separate films. Brett Brett and Hal are inconsequential what's happening to the classmates in this movie. Yep. There's a murder loose, and Brett and Howie just have school. Yeah, Brett's Brett's preoccupied with what's going on, all his business with Samantha, and apparently there are also murders happening. Uh, no one seems to care that Jimbo has been killed because they're including his girlfriend Christy because the next day at school there's an assembly where the police are informing everyone hey a student was killed at the golf course be on the lookout we have to question some people and she is there yeah his girlfriend found his decapitated head and the next day she's just back at school (laughs) like you can take a sick day ma'am Yep, and they made it a point to say it was four in the morning because that's when, you know, Sparky had to apologize to Dr. Uh, Zelda Rubenstein for waking her up at four in the morning. Yeah, well, they say it's 1 a.m. when they're there making out on the golf course, so it's three hours later that the police arrive to find the body or whatever, and they, yeah, he has meatloaf. I'm sure sure she goes home, gets a solid seven hours back to school. (laughs) Just, you gotta... How do you not hear? Mom, I don't want to go to school today. My boyfriend was decapitated in front of me. I know, sweetie, but you have a 100% attendance record right now, and you don't want to fuck that up. You're right, Mom. You don't want to mess that up. Give me a Pop-Tart. I'm going to yell next. Come on. But how do you not hear that from where she was? We just talk logistics. Like, there's got to be noise. Well, he was, yeah, well, he was shouting. Like, who, who's, old, who's out there? I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> and screaming as he's getting right? murdered. But he got pinned to a tree with a samurai sword first off also there aren't that many trees out on a golf course no i'm guessing Just... these kinds of wacky things happen a lot with jimbo so he was kind of used to it <laughs> he this is the third time he's been decapitated like, oh darn jimbo all right i'll cut you down <laughs> but yeah this assembly is happening everyone at school is kind of like wow it's crazy that jimbo was killed and christy's just there like vaguely maybe looking sad but really not I mean, having no real emotional... Re- and I don't blame this on, on Alexander Breckenridge. I blame this on the script, who have given her nothing. Yeah. Oh, They're not writing her as sad. They're writing her as like, it's another school day. Sucks that my boyfriend got killed. Right. Weird. But yeah, Detective Meatloaf, who is... Listen, I cannot take you seriously as a homicide detective when everyone calls you Sparky. Like, he has a real name, but every everyone calls him Sparky. Detective Sparky. I can't mm-hmm. take you seriously, man. <laughs> you know? And no one seems... I mean, he's kind of a bumbling oaf who's always eight steps behind this killer anyway. But... Yeah. And there's... Uh, I don't know. It's, it just seems really... Just that scene, they, they introduce this this murder, and you have Zelda Rubenstein, and then you have Meatloaf. It's like, yeah, these two kind of weird character actors. Is this supposed to be a serious scene? And then she has a great line. He... Fought like a tiger. <laughs> yeah. Was powerful. Underline that word. It'll come up again. Yeah, it's, it's super it's super important that he was powerful. This killer must powerful. be very, very strong because he pinned a this boy to a tree with like a sword. 
and yeah, but you're yeah, you're giving Meatloaf, you have Meatloaf and Zelda Rubenstein on screen together, and you're giving them nothing to do, and the scene is like seven seconds long. Yeah. Like if you're gonna put these two on screen together, give them give them something, give them a couple paragraphs to work through, let them chew the scenery a bit. No, they're just in and out. She's she her total screen time in this movie is probably eleven seconds. Mm-hmm. There are there yeah. are people in this movie that have names that get more screen time than her. Yes, <laughs> and that includes victim number two, right? Number two. I don't even know what their name is. We'll get to victim number two. But also, just where are you getting he fought like a tiger from? Because first off, he didn't. We saw it. He was crying and moaning and pretending he knew kung fu. So he did not fight like a tiger at all. Right. Secondly, how do you as the coroner know that? You're looking at his body. Unless you're, <laughs> unless you're seeing skin under his fingernails that he has scraped off, in which case you should be using that as DNA evidence in your investigation, which clearly they do not do. So how do you know? What do you mean he fought like a tiger? What does that even mean? You don't know. Defensive wounds? I don't the really sense, know. But the defensive wounds were like in his stomach, in his neck. Well, yeah. he did get stabbed oh. through the arm with the hunting knife first <laughs> when he was trying to block. But that's not that's fighting like a tiger. That's right. fighting like a, what's defensive? I don't know, an armadillo? A <laughs> fighting like a jimbo, yeah. for sure. Fighting like a jimbo. Also, this assembly, the principal's like, anybody who's having any, you know, problems with this you can i brought in miss lipinski the grief counselor she's like the hot grief counselor so howie gets super excited like oh howie oh howie (laughs) we get the scene of him going to see the principal like i'm so sad about jimbo we were really good friends and i need to go see the grief counselor and he's like well she's not here today you need a hug you can hug me and it's like oh no (laughs) i like that scene it was all (laughs) but but there are times that this movie is trying to be a straight up comedy and there's even moments within there's even wacky little moments within things that are supposed to be super serious that makes me like i they did not figure out the tone of this like it doesn't most the majority of the movies like a bad lynch film which david lynch earlier it's kind of like a bad lynch it's got (laughs) spooky and weird surreal parts and there's parts like okay so we're all gonna be wearing this fake devil costumes now or but yeah it's just a weird movie it's just it just doesn't can't land in where it wants to be it's a rom-com in parts yeah, and there's just and, and there's moments like during like like during the fight and the chase at the end where there's like quips getting thrown around and it's like this, this is not the movie for that. We haven't had it hasn't been that kind of movie up to this point. No. So it very much feels like two scripts that got squished together. Honestly, up until that murder it was just a teen cop teen movie about going to a dance. Yeah, and then the wish box thing. So it should be. It feels like it should be like a Final Destination or <laughs> even God forbid like Wish Upon or something. You know. Yep. But it's not that. There's no. There's no repercussions from using the wish box. The serial killer is a totally separate thing. Like, it's so weird. We should mention that the killer is, like, wearing, like, a cloak and some kind of, like, a like a Halloween mat, like a some kind of yeah, demon mask or something. It's from a, it's from a spirit of Halloween. Yeah, but it's, it's from a spirit of Halloween. <laughs> That's all there is to it. So Sparky goes to school. He's questioning this student, Eddie, who's played... The guy who plays Eddie played Cheddar Bob on 8 Mile... <laughs> Anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have say? to say that I love the fact that his character's name was Eddie because that was Meatloaf's character in Ragged Tour Adventure Show. And that is like one of my favorites. So that little interaction when he's like Eddie, it was just, it was funny. Wishing he was named Eddie instead of Sparky. Sparky. <laughs> yeah, he's questioning this guy's like, hey, I heard you had a fight with that guy last week. You sure you didn't kill him? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I heard you brought a hunting knife to school. And he's like, no, knives aren't a lot of school. What are you talking about? 
Do you have that knife? You show it to me. Oh no, I lost it somewhere, or perhaps it was stolen. You know, like just he's just fucking around with this stupid cop and not really answering his questions. But it does make him seem he's one of the red herrings. So it seems like he's maybe gonna be the killer, but of course not. Mm -hmm. So it's time for wish number two, Brett, and it's a really random. See, I was always taught when you make wishes, they need to be very specific and very precise because wishes will always try to monkey paw you. (laughs) They'll always try to take advantage of what you didn't say or what you said wrong, you know, but he has this rambling, like it starts with like, well, I wish Sam was my girlfriend, but like our relationship's like normal and good. And she actually like likes me and he goes on and on like your buddy, you need to pare that down and be very specific about what you're wishing for. You're going to get, you know, it's like, Oh, I wish I had a million dollars because then your mom dies in a plane crash and you get the insurance money. Like, you know, be careful what you, how you wish. And he's not, but yeah, basically Sam should fall in love with me and be my girlfriend from now on. So he's now completely taking away her... All of her rights. Yes. Which, and it would be nice if it sticks with guns and says that that's a bad thing to do, but it turns out everything's fine if you do that, so... I don't know. And so the next day she shows up at his house. He's homesick with the flu or something, he says, and she just shows up at his house, gives him her phone number, so clearly this wish has come true. She, you know, she says, I've been thinking about you. I had to come see you. So this wish has come true, too. And then she goes back to school, dumps Cody, much to his surprise. You know, why, why are you doing this? Why? I, I don't know. I don't know why I'm breaking up with you and going out with Brad. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. She doesn't know. There's a weird bit. It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of hot and sexy. They're, they have like, they're hanging out that night or whatever because her parents are gone. And she's doing kind of a, I don't know, it's, it's pretty sensual. <laughs> I don't know. For high school students, oh, that's out. Well, they're not actually high school students, bear in mind, these actors, but I should be careful how I say what I just said. It's, it's filmed in, anyway, never mind all of that. But the weird part is, mm-hmm. is that she's like, do you want me to do cheerleading stuff? And he's like, mm, what do you mean? <laughs> what does that mean? I just want to make out. And she's like, oh no, Cody would always have me like do jumping jacks and do the splits, like that turned them on. And it's like, whoa, man, that's weird. <laughs> that's weird shit. <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm good. I don't need any of that. Thanks. I'm not Cody. I'm not a fucking yep. weirdo. But yeah, so they do it. He's talking to Howie the next day about how he got laid and you know, how he's like, oh, I, I, was, I always thought it would be me first. Why did you think that? Why did you think that? <laughs> Between the two of you, clearly Michael Weston's going to get laid before you. It's the five-strapped backpack. <laughs> that thing ain't going anywhere. He's, he's always got the skateboard on the back. Yeah. We never actually see him ride that skateboard, do we? He's just carrying it around? No. Yep. He's probably not athletic enough to actually I be a skateboarder. A... <laughs> he just wears it to look like one. Brett goes to school and asks Mr. He pulls Mr. Turner aside and is trying to ask him about magic. And he's getting like this history lesson about the origins of magic and history and this and that. Well, why do you ask? I don't, my little sister got a magic wand and wanted to know about it. Okay. But, so I don't know how much he gleaned from that conversation with the teacher. But, again, it's the, sort of the teacher's second scene. We still have no indication that this character matters at all. <laughs> like, this could be his last scene in the movie as far as we're yeah, concerned. He's a really weird teacher. I mean, he could, he's just about as important as that principal, right? Like, Seems like could be hugging students. Yeah, here's where Howie and Brett have a conversation where it seems for a second like Howie is going to be the champion of consent, but then it turns out he's just jealous and wants to use a wish so Samantha will be with him. He doesn't understand that Brett actually likes her. He thinks because 
that's how he thinks. Brett just wants to get laid, and now that he has, you're done with her, right? It's my turn. No, that's not how this works. Shit. Right. Gross. No. Howie's gross. So Howie steals the box when Brett is gone. He like comes and's like, "Hey, Brett's mom, I left something upstairs. Can I go get it?" Steals the box, and he wishes. He makes a wish. I don't. We, we also the rules of how this thing works are very unclear, because later on, our killer is going to explain to Brett that like. He even he says anyone can use this. Anyone can use the magic, but how he tries to use it, he says, "I wish I." Has to be given willingly, taken from someone. Oh, is that what it is? Which I thought... is why it didn't okay. work for Howie. Or I thought maybe it was either that, or it was the person who made a wish has to complete their wishes before the next person can use it, or something. But yeah, he oh, w- that also would maybe. make sense. Yeah. Yep. But he wishes he was a badass, and to test it out, goes to a biker bar and starts a fight with somebody, and of course. Gets his ass beat, because he's not a badass. He's just same old Howie, so that didn't work. But he wants to be a kung fu fighter like Steven Seagal. First he smokes that giant joint car in the parking <laughs> lot biker bar. He's got his hair in those spikes. <laughs> and then he goes into the biker bar and he like kicks the stool over for the bouncer. And then they strip him down to his tidy whities and then throw him on the hood of the car. Yeah. And then they said open season. That was hilarious. He had that coming. But I made a wish. Plus, whoever, who's ever smoked a giant joint and then got in a fight? (laughs) You know what I mean? That's not what that's made for. You smoke a giant joint so you don't get in fights. So you're just, everything's cool. I don't want to fight nobody. Right. I just Um, listened to an episode of Vice, the story behind, it's kind of like a behind the music about whatever, but it was about the song. Because I got high by Afro Man. Mm-hmm. And he basically talked about that. He's like, yeah, I just didn't want to do anything anymore when I got high. So that's why I, you know, that the song is so ridiculous. I didn't, I was going to clean my room, but then I got high. And that's <laughs> that. So this is like super contradicting that stereotype of smoking a joint. Yeah, you smoke a joint after a fight to soothe yourself from getting beat up. <laughs> that's what it should yeah. be. Brett, finding you know, knowing that oh, my magic box is missing, I have one guess who took it. Well, how he's sitting around his place that night, sort of nursing his wounds. Ah, it's sore to even get out of bed. Walking around in his, like he has child's pajamas. This he has like grown man Herman's pajamas. GI <laughs> Joe. No, I think it has like bulldozers on it, and it says time for dozing or let's get dozing or something. So oh, is that what it was? Yeah. I, were... <laughs> I take back my comment. Those are amazing pajamas. <laughs> time for dozing. <laughs> I'm getting you for Christmas. Yeah, find them. Let me know. <laughs> I'm stealing the Smithsonian. But so he's trying to, he's trying to, he gets up and goes to the bathroom or whatever. And when he comes back to his room, it's a cloaked figure attacks him with a knife and is stabbing him and he's screaming, but it's not a real knife. It's one of those, goes on a spring in, into the handle and it's just brett fucking with him to teach him a lesson for because the town's on high alert because oh shit somebody got killed though they haven't it's only been one person out you would think it would be an isolated i would assume it's an isolated event you don't assume you have a serial yeah. killer from one killing right even if it is as weird as decapitating someone and putting their head like maybe somebody just really hated jimbo but, but yeah so he scares the shit out of him with, by pretending to be there to kill him and he, so he gives him the box back, tells him, I made a wish, but it didn't work. So I don't know what's going on with that, but here's your box back. He patched up afterwards. And they also introduced that weird character at the pool party. Uh, I'm going to get too attached to that character. 
No, but I do want to say that they, he said that, oh, we're going to do something later, one of Cody's friends, the blonde kid. Yeah. All these friends are all blonde. Well, the one the one who's next to go, right? Yeah, the that one that's yeah. next to go. Yeah, because Christy, I mean, yeah. Christy throws a pool party in honor party. of the, the dear deceased Jimbo. Yes. <laughs> I guess that's what a high school student considers a wake. I don't know, but weird. But yeah, our suspect from before, Eddie, gets in a fight with this guy, and so there's some contention there between them. And then, of course, the very next scene, that guy that Eddie was fighting is killed in the locker room at school. He's taking a shower, and then it can't just be. Couldn't have just been my TV. Tell me if I'm crazy. Were his flip flops not the loudest thing you've ever they heard? They were slapping, slapping. They were so loud. He was whistling along to him. His... I watch a lot of movies. I watch mostly everything with subtitles. One of my my roommates, me too, from, from Europe, so English it helped her learn English. But it just said like something about sandals making noise. That's I think what it said on the bottom, and I was like. The fact that it actually had to say that when you could, I think anybody could hear that is ridiculous. <laughs> like it was so loud. Blop, 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 blop. It reminded me of those Adidas shoes that had the like little spikies on them that were so loud. Oh, yeah. Remember those? Yeah. Yeah. It was ridiculous. No, it's just a bad sound mix. Like the sound of his flip flops on the floor was so much louder than everything else in the scene. Like his whistling, the background music, the locker door opening, it's just so loud. Yeah. But yeah, he gets he gets killed in the locker room. They take him out of the or locker room? No, no, he doesn't. You're no. I jump in the gun. Neck. We cut to back out in the, uh, a field somewhere, and he's buried up to his neck. And the killer comes, no. the killer kind of walks up to him. Because there's, sorry. No. There's no, there's green grass all around his neck. There's no like burial mound whatsoever. <laughs> like the weird setup for burying somebody. It's like he got like, teleported into the ground. <laughs> into the ground. But I, so I'm thinking for a second, I'm like, oh, is this about to get cool? Is this going to be like the lawnmower scene from Sinister? Like it's. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. That would be like, better than what does happen, which is the killer walks up, clears a little spot in front of this guy, just that spot. Never mind the rest of the grass in this entire field, but and then walks off. He's got this bag, and you're like, "Oh shit, what's in the bag? What's in the bag?" I was thinking maybe he had like a rat in there or something. He's gonna put rats on this guy or something. No, oh. <laughs> from out of the mist in the shadow comes a really terrible CGI bowling ball <laughs> flying across this grass. He kind of moves his head, and the first one misses him. He's like, "Oh god, he missed, he missed," and then here comes another one. And remember, this guy must be super powerful. Because look, I mean, bowling balls are heavy and they hurt. But especially rolling across like wet grass at night, I don't care how hard you throw it. It's not going to kill somebody. It'll, it might knock a tooth out, break his nose, but it's not going to demolish his head. So this no, guy must this be really powerful. Samurai sword. And he goes to bowling ball next? That was weird. <laughs> and that's the thing. A movie like this, it should be like a, it should be some kind of ironic like, you're, you know, like you're killing them with their worst fears or you're killing them with what they love. And this guy really loved bowling or something, you know, but there's no reason for him to be using bowling balls. Did this no. guy ever do anything in this to be a bad person in this situation? I like he. I had a theory on this. Okay. So Jimbo was saying bad things about Brett. Mm-hmm. I wanted to call him Michael. Mm-hmm. Oh, Brett Bumpers. Right. Then this kid 
the blonde the blonde kiddo was saying stuff about right at the pool party saying hey i'm gonna get you whatever so in my i you know how the weapons were related is um not related to this topic of conversation but i think i figured it out oh you did because his name is brett bumpers so the killer is trying to honor this family name because his great uncle his great grandfather invented the bumper lane so he's like i'm going to like you this is what you get for talking crap about brett you think it's you think it's easy i won't even put bumpers on to show you how easy it'll be to take you out because i'm powerful that's exactly what I, I mean what else would it be <laughs> I, I mean that's a better explanation than the movie will ever give you but then there's also hunting knife and a sword and later the killer we'll get to who the killer is but the killer i think I he's know. just driving around with a trunk full of random shit and whatever he pulls out that's what he kills you with because he used a knife it's and true. a sword last scene then a bowling ball, and then at the end, he's got, like, a fire axe, like a full-on fire axe, and then a number of hatchets. Where are you carrying all of these? Yeah. He has two different fire axes, and a bunch of hatchets, and a bowling ball, and a sword, and, like, your ammo is all over the place. You'll never become a, a, an iconic killer this way. <laughs> but yeah, he gets killed with this bowling ball, and Meatloaf shows up and looks under the sheet. Oh, God. He's, he's, always, he's always carrying around an unlit cigar. He's the Chris Farley bit from the fucking was it Center Live or what? It, or it's from is it? It's either Tommy Boy or Black Sheep where he's like, and the cops show up and the one in the corner puke. Oh my god! And he's throwing up in the corner. Blah. It's a Chris Farley, but it's like that. He's always just carrying around this unlit cigar and going, "Oh my god!" Yeah. <laughs> but he goes back to the coroner and yeah, she's like, "It was a very powerful throw. He got a strike on the second. First off, she says, and the second strike, the second one hit him. How do you know he missed with the first one? He didn't. Did he leave?" Two bowling balls there? I left a mark in the grass, I guess. I don't know. But again, he's like, he must be so powerful. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? She checked the score. That's a turkey right there. Yeah, so Eddie is arrested because he also had a fight. He He had disagreements with both the people who have been killed so far. So it must be him, right? We have no evidence to that, but what else are we going to do? We have no other No, leads. but he wasn't home, and Dad said he was not home, and he can't arrest a student at school, by the way, without parental permission. There's all sorts <laughs> yeah, of legal that. issues with that. You also need some kind of evidence tying him to the crime school. Well, there's that, but you can't <laughs> arrest a student at the school. Like, that's also a thing. And even though it's just a movie, like... Well, luckily, everyone at this school is a super, super, super senior because they're all 28 years old. <laughs> So he's not a minor. You none of them are minors. You can arrest whoever you want at this school. That's true. Sam, Samantha, she brings up Cody in every conversation she has with Brett. I, I don't remember. I don't yeah. know if that's just you know in the back of her mind. Something is telling her you know like no, Cody's the guy you like, right? Not this Brett guy. Even though I feel like I'm totally in love with Brett and I'm having sex with Brett, every time they're together, she brings up Cody in some way. Like, oh, my parents really like Cody and they don't understand why I'm going out with you instead. Or Cody used to make me do weird cheerleader sex stuff. Or when they go to a restaurant, oh. she's like, oh, Cody didn't like this kind of food or whatever. Like, just, or <laughs> she's always talking. Movie, like, oh, Cody would never want to watch me that long. The subtitles? Yeah. She's always bringing this Cody guy up. But Brett's feeling bad, sort of. <laughs> Not bad enough to make a wish to make this all go away, but... They're in the car, and he's like, you know, I'm worried that I'm I'm afraid I'm taking advantage of you. 
And of course, being ensorcelled under his spell, she's like, you, you're, you think you're taking advantage of me? I worry that I'm taking advantage of you because you're so sweet and so great and I don't deserve you, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, geez, <laughs> that didn't go the way I expected. But he doesn't have the balls to actually come out yet and tell her what's really going on. So their waitress at the restaurant is this girl, Desiree, who's another student. We've seen her. She tried to break up the fight or kind of help Eddie when he was fighting What's-His-Face out in the mm-hmm. school lawn. And she's kind of like a, not like a nerdy girl, but maybe like the, the punk girl or the emo girl or whatever. She comes over. She's their server and brings in the bill. And he's like, hey, thanks, you know. Thanks, Desiree. Or she calls him Sir, and he's like, okay, Desiree, like, it's Brett. You know me. We go to school. She's like, you know, I, used to, I thought you were cool, but now you're going out with this girl, so I don't know what your deal is. Like, that's pretty lame, because that girl sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. She's not your type. It's, all right, whatever. But it's she... It's weird, because she hasn't really done talked yet this whole movie. Now she knows Brett. I was like, no one talks to Brett and Howie ever. No, her, her, only, she... her only scenes are she... Tries to, she jumps in and tries to help Eddie during that fight. And there's a scene in the lunchroom where Howie says something to her. It's pretty, she made me laugh because Howie gets, deserves whatever he gets. Howie yells some stupid shit at her as she walk, as he's, she's walking by in the lunchroom and she flat out just pushes him over and knocks him on his ass. That's the only other two scenes she's been in. And now she's here. But she's leaving that night. She keeps hearing, like, someone's following me, but she spins around and sprays her mace and no one's there. Detective Sparky drives right past her and like waves at her like, hey, girl out walking alone at night when there's a serial killer on the loose. Have a nice night. (laughs) Doesn't keep an eye on her, just drives right by. And then, okay, can the killer turn invisible or what? Because she's walking under the street lamp. We get a very clear shot of like an aerial shot of the street lamp and there's nothing there. And then as she walks under it, like a cord comes down around her neck and someone jumps off the street. The killer jumps off the street lamp and like pulls her like a swashbuckling chandelier up. Like, how was he up on top of the street light and we couldn't see him and she couldn't see him? Or like a traffic light, I mean. I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty dumb. It's bull pizzle magic. It's bull pizzle magic. But he never wished to be invisible. I don't know. But yeah, she's just about to get out of it. And so he, does he yank it hard and hits her head on the thing? Because then she starts bleeding from the head, but I don't remember why. Is that what it is? Yeah. He just, like, yanks her up into the light. Yeah. yeah. So now Desiree is dead. So now we have three victims. Sparky's boss is chewing him out. He's like, look, you have, like, do you have any leads? We have three dead, we have three dead high school students. Are you, are you getting anywhere with this? And he's like, not really. <laughs> you know, we arrested that Eddie kid. We have no evidence. You know, this happens. And he's like, okay, yeah. you have... He- one week before I'm calling the FBI in and you're off the case. Like, but you're giving him another week? No, call the FBI now. <laughs> yeah, it's murdered teenagers. Give him until the FBI gets here and then you're out. Like, how many more teenagers have to die before you do your job? Right. But then there's this weirdo guy named Eugene who looks like, I don't know, like a homeless meth head Charlie Manson looking guy who we've seen a couple times throughout the movie. He was driving by... It's one of the girls or something and kind of looking at them as he drove by. But it's just not enough that you would even think about it. But he comes in and confesses. He's like, well, yeah. he had that stare off with, you, or with Jimbo and Christy at the very beginning. And he's the yeah. one who's like, off and they're going 65 or whatever. So Another yeah. another red herring guy. Because he comes in and confesses to all the murders. And here's what I don't understand. And there's a lot I don't understand. But this is one thing. He knows... All the details of these killed. This guy was killed with a bowling ball. This guy was killed with a sword. She was strung up by her neck on the traffic light. 
the kind of details that would convince the police that like, oh, this must be the killer because no one else should know that information, right? Mm -hmm. But he's not the killer, so how does he know that information? The only way he could know that information is if the police in their press releases have been releasing all of the information. <laughs> Otherwise, how does he know? Well, it's a small town, and I bet you the police are releasing that information. Have you met Detective Sparky? <laughs> yeah, but then they should know oh. that. They should know when they're questioning him and he has all the details. They're like, yeah, but everybody knows that. Tell me something that not the whole town knows because we're terrible in our job. But, I mean, he's best, so that's good enough for them, right? I, I, mean, I guess he's better than Eddie. He makes more sense than Eddie. He's a scarier looking dude than Eddie. And he tells them where sure. you can, where they can find, not where they can find the sword, but where the, the, this whole thing is goofy as hell. He tells them where, I, I threw the bowling ball in the lake or the creek or pond or whatever. So divers yep. go to get it. They come up with the ball and they're holding it in the water. And then back at the station, the principal of the school, or is it Sparky's boss? One of the two. I think it's Sparky's boss. Asked him like, hey, did you bother to like check to see if his fingers will fit? Like if the bowling ball does not fit, you must acquit. <laughs> did yep. you check? And he's like, no, should we do that? Okay, let's go do that. <laughs> And his fingers don't fit in the bowl. So he knew where the bowling ball was. But that's the thing. He led them to the bowling ball. How? If the police didn't know, that's not information he could have gotten from them. How did he lead them to a bowling ball in a lake at all? That's where everybody throws their bowling balls at. The, <laughs> the police don't know that just everybody throws their bowling balls out there? Well, he said, yeah, that's my ball. And then he put his fingers or tried to. And he's like, that's not my ball. I didn't <laughs> So they have to let this guy go now, too, because his fingers won't fit in the bowling ball. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> There's a lot of dumb stuff. That might be the dumbest moment in this movie. Brett now wants to completely confess to Samantha what he has done, why she feels this way, tell her about the wish box and stuff, and how he's like, yeah, man, go make like a whole romantic thing out of it. Nothing will like take the edge off of this horrible thing you're about to tell her, like a romantic getaway. So go use my parents' summer house. Nobody's there. You can just go there and use it. And that's the last we see of Howie in this movie. <laughs> he makes a phone call, but we never see him again, which is totally fine because I don't like that guy. Mm -hmm. But he's in the bathroom and he tells him this, and one of Cody's friends overhears him and immediately goes and tells Cody, hey, your girl and this brat guy are going to be up at the cabin and i guess here's the address like how do you how did he know yeah. where they are i don't know everyone knows where howie's parents have their summer home did he beat it out of howie we have no idea i bet you he beat it out of howie and that's why we didn't see him again <laughs> yeah, he's just dead he calls from beyond the grave later <laughs> the only death that makes sense <laughs> and then so then God, then there should be a scene of Sparky back at the corner so we can see Zelda Rubenstein again. And they're like, oh, somebody very strong beat Howie to death with a, <laughs> with a bathroom garbage can. It must be the killer again. No, it was just Cody's buddy. Ugh. See, we could write a better version of this, man. Absolutely. Yeah, so they're up there. Brett confesses to her, you know, this is what happened. You don't, you probably don't really love me because I made you fall in love with me, the wish. And that's why you can't figure out why you feel this way or why you asked me and of course i mean she doesn't slap him she does not have the reaction she probably should she storms off to go upstairs and locks herself in a room to be away from it's him like the weirdest thing yeah she she hates this news but she believes him like within seconds that he it was all magic like it was two wishes of course and then she like walks away well that's the other thing i mean even if in your heart of hearts you've been in the you know there's a voice in the back of your head going 
I love this guy, but this feels wrong. Something is wrong here. This, some, I don't understand why this is happening. What's happening? She, yeah. you know, she must have some kind of internal conflict. Right. But yeah, but then if someone comes to you and goes, by the way, magic is real. <laughs> and the only reason you feel this way is because I wished on a magical bull dick. It came to me in the mail. I don't know who said it. <laughs> I would have follow-up questions, perhaps. Yeah. I don't know that I would immediately believe that, but he seemed really sincere, I guess. So, <laughs> but yeah, she storms off. She doesn't slap him. She doesn't yell at him. She doesn't say anything. She just storms off to this room to be by herself. He's trying to go up to talk her out when Cody and his pals arrive. Cody and his two surviving pals arrive. <laughs> yes. He's left. <laughs> One of whom is the the chubbier guy was, uh, he played Donkey Lips on Salute Your Shorts. If anybody Donkey remembers that show. Familiar. Yeah. I mean, he's been in a bunch of stuff, but that's the main thing. He was Donkey Lips on Salute Your yeah. Shorts when he was younger. No, I did. I didn't realize it was Donkey yeah. Lips. Yeah, that tells us that there's probably a segment of people listening to the show who now think we're very old because they don't know what the yeah. fuck Salute Your Shorts is. I can still sing the Camp on Awana song, so... I'm sure. Good stuff. Yeah, Cody's going to go around the back of the house and break in. You two stay out here and, like, stand guard. Stand guard for what? Couldn't you use hell? I mean, I know you're probably thinking take bread on your own. You probably can. Well, he clearly can because he, he does. Just the front, I think, is what he said. Yeah, that's true. Why would he come out the front? I don't know. But then the next thing you see is um, the killer turn the lights off. Yeah, the power goes out. And so at that point, Samantha's like, oh, shit, Cody, what are you doing out there? And he's ready to come out. Cody is in the house beating the shit, throwing Brett down the stairs and, like, beating him up. This has such good Foley work, too. <laughs> yeah. Brett just going, oh, ah, oh. Oh, oh, As he falls down the stairs. <laughs> Outside, the two pals are killed with two different axes because he puts... Donkey Lips gets one in his head and it's still there when the other friend walks up to see it and gets axed in the back. So our killer had two different axes with him. And then very soon we'll just have just have throwing axes like hatchets. <laughs> just a pile of them that he has on his person. Okay. There's a sale over stock.com, hatchetstock.com. Yeah, Cody's beating up Brett and let's go out. And then Cody kind of just disappears for a minute. We'll get back to him, but he kind of just isn't around anymore. And we're wondering... You know, what's going on? He's just hanging out. <laughs> you know, you're right. Samantha comes out of the room and is with Brett. And, you know, and Brett's like, Cody came here and he was beating me up. She seems pretty indifferent about, like, she isn't like, good, I'm glad Cody's beating you up. Where's Cody? I want to leave with him. She just, she's just palling around with Brett still in the house, even after all this. But they wind up going and hiding up in the, they must see the killer downstairs or something. And then they go and they hide in the attic. The killer's stabbing up through the ceiling trying to get them in the attic. Brett gets out of there and leaves her up there. Because he wants to talk to him. That's yeah. right. Brett, come on, talk to me. In his Darth Vader voice. Yeah, it's someone with a scream-type voice box. So you don't know who it is. So Brett goes downstairs. There's the killer. killer takes his mask and voice box off. And it's the teacher. It's Mr. Mr. Turner. Mr. Turner, and you're sitting there like, wait, what? Why? What is possibly his motivation for doing any of this? And I it... honestly thought it was Cody to begin with. Actually, no, I thought it was Brett. Yeah. I thought maybe it was like a Durden thing, right? I kind of thought it was actually going to be uh... Howie. I thought it was going to be Howie. <laughs> oh, you thought it was going to be Howie? Oh. Yeah, because that's who you at least expect. Well, I guess who I least expected was fucking Mr. Turner, but... 
But right. Howie out of jealousy and whatever. I don't know. He's just a jerk, apparently. He's a bad teacher. Well, yeah. Like, and then I thought maybe it was Cody because Cody ran behind the house and then all of a sudden his friends were dead. And then I was like, well, it can't be Cody. If Cody's fighting Brett and then the killer's at the door, like, who is that? Like, it can't be. Maybe it's Howie. Well, no. Like, yeah, why I thought would, maybe. Why wouldn't Cody kill Brett there. first? <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah, we get a bunch of exposition now where Mr. Turner reveals that he's the one who sent Brett the box because he's his most promising student. He had the box first. He found it somewhere on a trip to Nepal or some shit. He's already used it. He used his first wish to have his wife die in a car accident because it's easier than divorce, he says, which I can't tell if it's supposed to be funny or not. It is funny, but I can't tell if because there's bits here in this conversation where it seems like it's trying to kind of be a comedy, but I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. But, and then his... Maybe we just have to add dark senses of humor. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. His second wish was, oh, to be rich. Oh. And he's like, yeah, I have like a million, I have like a million dollars in an offshore account. And Brett's rightfully like, why are you still teaching then? <laughs> what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, but I've been a teacher 25 years. It's just what I love to do. Do you? When you hate your students this much? Yeah, Why don't you just take your money and go? It doesn't make a lick of sense, but... And then he says he uses... Third wish. His third wish was to make him stronger, faster, you know? So that's how he, he's such a powerful killer that can kill people with bowling balls and shit. And then he and then he sent the box to Brett, because it's he's like the only student he liked. And then he, and then he started killing his students for why? I a list. <laughs> I don't know, because they didn't like Brett? I don't know. Like, why was... Like, who are those kids... But outside the uh, cabin how are they on his list i think they were just yeah well so he just had three kids on his list two of them i don't know i just don't know i just think he didn't have much he just was a jerk yeah they weren't people that were particularly bothersome to brett they weren't people who stood out in scenes in class as being bothersome to the teacher if anything the first the people who seemed to annoy him most were cody and samantha he should have killed them first But anyway, now he's disappointed in Brett that he has wasted his wishes just to get, in his his words, some bimbo. Yes. And Brett's trying to tell him, like, no, she's really smart, actually. Like, I know she's a cheerleader, but she's smarter than you think. And the teacher's like, whatever, dude. (laughs) He doesn't have a wife to wish to kill. What's he supposed to do? He's a teenager. What did you think? A horny teenager? What's he going to use his wishes for? Yeah, he launches Brett over the... Well, he tells him, like, so she's the last one I'm going to kill. She's the last one on my list. And maybe that will, like, bring you around to use your last wish for something fucking useful instead of wasting them all on this dumb girl. Throws Brett over this sofa, goes back upstairs, and he's going to kill Sam. He gets a, he opens the attic door, and Sam shoves, like, a like a big chest, like a big like a steamer trunk <laughs> into his face, and he falls out of the attic and then over the railing down onto the floor and she peeks down and he looks like he's unconscious so she comes out to find brett and then there's a whole well then she finds cody like you said hanging around Mm -hmm. he's been pinned to the inside of a she opens a door on the other side of the door he's been pinned to it with a fire poker through the eye which you know what good riddance cody wasn't a good dude either because he was very like you know my girl she doesn't get to you know he also yeah he also doesn't want her to choose if if she was legitimately choosing Brett over him, and he's not going for it. No, she has to choose me. Why, you know? Yeah. So he's no better than... But again, but Brett's also not better than him. So Brett should not be the hero of this film. Because he does not learn a lesson. And then the killer knocks Samantha out when she wakes up. 
what a waste of time this is. You want to kill this girl, just kill her. He he's tied her up, and he's throwing hatchets at her like it's a circus performance. Yeah, this weird old Viking game. <laughs> just, if you want to kill her, just kill her and be done with it. Why are you wasting time? It's like a villain monologuing, but physically. It's but the again, guy that brings two bowling balls to a field. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, why do you even have two bowling balls? I can see owning your own bowling ball. What if he you... missed the second time? Yeah, does he have a third one? Or... It'd be pretty funny if there's a scene of, hang on, and he has, of him trudging across the field to retrieve his bowling ball. Huh. Let me try again. Hold on. Stop moving your head. Like he's in the river, like his robe is like hiked up over his knees. Like, ah. <laughs> Or just come and drop it on, throw it at, like, stand closer and just whip it at him. Don't go from 100 feet away yeah. over grass terrain that it's going to send it off course. Of course you miss. Anyway. Brett reappears and saves her and says he has used his last wish, much like Mr. Turner did, to be stronger, faster, you know, so that he can fight Mr. Turner. And there's a moment where Samantha's like, that's what you used your last wish for? And he's like... And faster than a 57-year-old man. He's like, yeah. Like, she's... It's weird to her that she used her... I don't know why she's upset by that. Maybe because he was supposed to use his last wish to, like, free her or something. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, so now she's a little upset. superior strength didn't do anything. He gets his butt kicked <laughs> immediately. Yeah, he chases Mr. Turner outside. Mr. Turner hits him with a car. <laughs> and then they're fighting in the lawn. This is more goofy stuff. Mr. Turner has the samurai sword again. And Brett's blocking it with like a garden gnome. Or like a lawn it's jockey. A lawn jo like a racist lawn jockey. <laughs> and he's yeah. trying to... So I don't know. Is that supposed to be funny? I don't know. It's so hard to tell because the tone is undecided. Mr. Turner cuts an axe in half. He does. Sam runs out at one point when he's choking bred to death and sam kind of jumps on him and bites his ear or something to get him off and then he's gonna this is actually pretty cool in the tussle of brett and mr turner fighting he can't get the sword to where he needs to be to kind of stab mr turner but he puts it up over from behind him and cuts through his neck from the back which i've never seen in a movie before so i thought that was pretty cool but no i don't i don't think it would work well he is super strong i don't know <laughs> But that's true. Strong. He is super strong. He is now super strong. But spine and spinal cord, and it takes yeah. a lot to like hack yeah. through, some, like to cut someone's head off. Like a lot of times, people get not decapitated. But... Yeah, longer and faster. But we're we're used to we're used to movies where someone you know gets their throat cut from the front. The front, but not the back. Yeah. Yeah, but him putting it through and it's like lodged halfway through the back of his, and that kills Mr. Turner. I don't know. I thought that was. Maybe the one the, piece no, of original like anything the, in this. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So he, I guess he's just going to be strong and fast forever now. That's because that was his last wish. And then he must, we don't see this or hear about it, but he must pass the box on to her as recompense so she could wish her own way out of feeling, having feelings for him or something since he can't do it. Because yeah, the, so the cops came, yeah, because the cops came and cordoned everything off. And he said, well, I was going to use my last wish to free you, but now I'm going to be like this forever, and we're going to be stuck like this forever. And then he, she said, well, you could give me the box. Okay, I missed or you that could give, So he must have, because the next thing you see is them at the... Hero ceremony. The Brett Bumpers Heroes Day. <laughs> Which, again, that's what I'm saying. There's no... This movie's predicated on a guy who has taken away this woman's consent and choice of who to love has forced her into a romantic and sexual relationship with him and he is 
at the end of the day, rewarded <laughs> and hailed by the city as a hero, does not lose any of his friends, anyone he cared about, and gets the girl. I had one friend. So that's not a great... Holly was not there, though. Holly was there. What was... Holly oh, was yeah, because he he's goes, like, that's my friend. That's my friend. I know my him. My best friend. Yeah. My best friend. He does show up again, you're right. So he did not get beat to death in the school bathroom, but that's unfortunate. But, yeah, he asks her, like, what did you... What did you use your first wish for? And it was, what did she even say? No, they didn't talk about that. He said something about like, something about going back to normal or like, what are you doing after school? Yeah. What are you doing summer? Yeah, she's going to travel. Yeah. And then he goes over to talk to his parents. And they're like, hey, I know we had talked about you were going to come and work at the shop this summer. And that you were supposed to do that. But we thought, you know what? Since you're this big hero who saved the day and killed this serial killer, uh, why don't you just take that money? We're just going to give you money to just go travel. So now they're both free to travel, and then he asks her, yeah. So, like, she used her wish to free him up to be able to travel with her? Because she actually has fallen parents. in love with him? Yeah, they she... came, oh, it came to their parents in a moment of divine intervention, is what Ma Bumper said. And that was, you're leaving for Greece on Sunday. That's when she was leaving also. He went over there, and they hugged semi Poppy yeah, love song music the, played. The butt rock came on hard. Butt rock? So great. The, the, the guy who, yeah, magically coerced this woman into a relationship with him uh, gets no comeuppance whatsoever, gets the girl. She actually does fall in love with him, and they get to go to Greece together after he kills a serial killer. So that's a real good message. She thanks him by helping him leave a small town. Uh, not great messaging. I don't know. <laughs> You almost this had it. This movie was almost two hours long. Just shy, yeah. And there's so many questions about what happens in this plot. The first 18 minutes is the spring... What's it called again? The spring blast. Spring blast and Jimbo's death. And that feels like it was longer than 18 minutes. Hour and a half later, there's still a movie. Long yeah. Filling the gaps. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, the whole thing, it feels like they had a serial killer movie and they had this wish movie. And they couldn't crack either one of them, so they just shuffled the pages together and ordered the scenes, sort of, <laughs> and did their best. Because it really feels like two very different movies that don't have much to do with yeah. each other slammed together. It, you could edit out all the serial killer stuff, and you would still have the same plot, basically. Mm -hmm. Just two weird teens falling in love at the end. Oh, it's so, Can't Buy Me Love Without the Murder. It's like a, it's reverse, like weird, bizarro of the <laughs> or the danger should be coming from the box the danger should be supernatural in origin it should be the yeah, the counterpoint to you know the the dark side of getting your wishes but it's not that the wishes all work out no. perfectly fine everything's great about the wishes yeah there's nothing correlating to the wishes it's, it's so it's very weird. odd it's very odd an odd odd film but it, that's the end of it and so we don't have, yeah, the <laughs> movie belongs to the Geo Shop. But now we don't have to talk about it anymore. Uh, it is that time of the episode where I press the magic button to see what next week's movie, next episode's movie, chosen completely at random from everything streaming, will be. Pressing the magic button now. <laughs> well, that, that is a decided step up from Wishcraft. And we were just talking about Ryan Reynolds earlier today. Next episode's movie, I'm very happy, is Deadpool 2. Oh. See, you got to come and do Wishcraft, and someone else gets to do Deadpool too. so... <laughs> Sorry. It's not up to me. Yeah. Next week's movie, Deadpool 2, on Disney Plus from 2018. 
a very good movie, I feel. Hey, Wishcraft was a very okay movie. <laughs> it was a very okay movie. Not as okay as Invasion USA, apparently, but... Not as yeah. okay as Invasion <laughs> USA, but it's very okay. Ugh, <sighs> anyways. The house was better? Was it House? House? Was that the one with Re the... Family Reunion. No, not Family Reunion. The one with the with the door that opened up to the... Yeah, that was the House. Skeletons of... Yeah, he's only house done Invasion stuff. USA, but you have done previously House and Family Reunion as well. So this is oh, your yeah. fourth time here? Watched them all together, though. That's why it only made sense to have him on too. Yeah. The dynamic duo. Where can they find people like you online and places like that? I know not much. Yeah, Nick is not really on the social. I'm the ginger's wife on all of the things. I remember that. No. But some people might not. Uh, then I am at Heath Lambert78 on Twitter, at least as long as it is still alive. Uh, the show is at That's a Random P2. Show has is also on slasher and tiktok at that's a random pod and the new thing hive that's supposed to be like the new twitter alternative kind of the show has an account on there it's just at that's a random i got in early and got that don't even have to have podcast on the word end of it but that's it for that artwork for the show by joe humphrey who is at mr joe humphrey on twitter and on slasher i think that's it any final words from either of you stay away from the bull fizzle yeah, I mean, in general, that's probably a good, good Can't idea. Can't top that. That'll do. All right, once again, next week's movie, Deadpool 2, from 2018, on Disney+. Plus. That will be enjoyable. I can't wait. On behalf of myself and Lindsay and Nick, bye, everybody, and see you next week. Bye.